This is Taking Care in Business, a podcast that dives into the topic of corporate social responsibility from many different perspectives. Host Kathy Pedrotti Hayes is an expert in CSR and philanthropic giving, and her co-host, Vicki Bolson, is the founder and CEO of Bolson Group, a unified marketing company that was also the first B Corp certified company in Indiana. Kathy and Vicki became friends and equally passionate about CSR when they first worked together several years ago. Join them as they talk about why it is always worthwhile to take care in business. Hey, Vicki. Hey, Kathy. How's it going? I am great. Well, we have a special guest here today. I know. I only have a few more days left with her, so I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Grace, Vicki's oldest daughter. Yeah. yeah, so she just graduated early from Oberlin. That's crazy. It went by so fast, at least for me. Well, I know you, it was early, but it still seemed like it went by <clears throat> really quickly. Yeah. So what are you going to be doing now, Grace? So for the spring, I'm going to be WOOFing. Um, WOOF stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms, and different countries join and you get a membership. So I'm actually going to Hawaii. Um, I'll be starting at like a hostel for scientists and then going to an actual farm and then a community that's trying to be 100% peaceful. So I'm really excited. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and WOOF is the organization that I, you know, I told you she had done Puerto Rico. Yes. And, and so we've reached out to WOOF. And if anyone who knows WOOF is listening, we want you on our podcast. Yes, we do. Yeah, totally. So um, anyway, she's she's leaving next week. And as um, she's a fan of the podcast, I tell her all the time. Yes, I love it. I actually helped research um, before Kathy and Vicky decided to do a podcast. Right. They were maybe going to write a book. And I was like, podcasts are really taking off. So I'm glad this is what you guys are doing. It's awesome. Yes, I think she was the too. one who she told was, us absolutely. to do a podcast she instead. She absolutely was. Okay. Well, she's one of those millennials that really cares about our earth. And so um, I'm going to ask you a whopper as I introduce our guest, oh, Kathy. Okay. Um, do you think business can save the earth? I do. Okay. Good. I, I, I agree. Yeah. And so, um, and I just wrote chit chat. And then I said, I think we'd agree that a lot of today's <laughs> environmental and social issues are driven by irresponsible business practices. And on this podcast, we highlight people and companies that have chosen to use the power of business as a force for good. Mm -hmm. So I love the title of the book, Can Business Save the Earth? I mean, wow, this might seem like a rather haughty topic, but with decades of research behind it, and as faculty member of the business school at the University of Virginia, Michael Lennox delves into this topic from a practical standpoint. For instance, in one of his chapters, he writes, business cannot save the earth without consumers choosing sustainable goods and services from available alternatives. Right. Right. I love this. I mean, to me, that means businesses and consumers need to be intentional in their purpose and practices. How do we transition to a sustainable future? This is a big topic, but I'm excited to have Michael here today to dive into it and take a bit, talk a bit more about what we can glean from his book. And at the end of this episode, we'll even tell you how you can win a copy of it. So uh, stay tuned to the end. Um, hi, Michael. How are you today? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We're glad to have you here. Yeah, delighted. So how did you get the inspiration to write this book? 
So uh, this is work that I've been doing going back really to even the early 1990s. I had long been interested in environmental issues. Um, I studied as an economist and got very interested uh, at that interface between business and sustainability. Mm -hmm. And so this was really uh, a labor of love that kind of grew out of work I've been doing for the past 25 years. You so you are a professor at UVA. Um, what it, t- talk about uh, the class that you that you teach and the um, just your impression of the overall um, you know generation of students that you're teaching right now? Yeah, so I teach uh, primarily our, our MBAs. Uh, I teach them business strategy, and and I would say that you definitely have seen uh, you know a greater awareness uh, about environmental issues and sustainability. Uh, I think this is a generation that definitely cares deeply about these issues. Um, I think they're also pragmatic. They, you know, they want to talk about solutions. Um, you know, how how do we address things like climate change? These are obviously critical issues that we all are facing, but they are facing as well. And so I think they want to understand. You know, how do you leverage business and organizations to help uh, help solve some of the challenges we face? Mm-hmm. Well, I know that's an area that my daughter is really concerned about. Whenever we have conversations at home about politics or the earth, we just get so fired up, right, Grace? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just um, crazy that we haven't been talking about this as much um, in the past, like that it's just now really becoming the forefront of the conversation to me. But I'm happy that I'm at that age where I can like be part of this solution. Um, I'm curious, do your students have a sense of hope, or are they kind of experiencing eco-anxiety? I think, you know, as, as more and more data comes in and more and more stories come in, especially around climate change, I think it's, it's hard for all of us to remain optimistic. Yeah, you're right. I'm very optimistic by nature, and, and I do think there are uh, you know, possibilities here for addressing the issues we face. It's incredibly daunting. If you think about something like climate change, we basically need to decarbonize the global economy by roughly 2050 or so. And that is a very tall order. That's, you know, potentially 100% electric vehicles, 100% renewable energy, or at least zero carbon emitting uh, electrical generation. And you kind of go down the list. So it is incredibly daunting. But at the same time, um, you know, I think there are solutions here and on the horizon. I think there's greater political will though it's still not where it needs to be. And then clearly just kind of general kind of societal sentiment is kind of turning more and more attention to these issues. Uh, uh, and it couldn't be, couldn't be any sooner. Yeah, I think that businesses are great communities um, to make people feel like they're not alone in the issues that we're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as, as we argue in the book, you know, love them or hate them, you know, business and markets are going to need to be part of the solution. It yeah, is the way yeah. technologies find their way into the into our homes and into the marketplace, and uh, um, they're going to have to be part of the solution. So, Michael, what kind of strategies do you think a business could employ in terms of trying to figure out how they could plug into, you know, saving the earth? You know, if you think about kind of the evolution in, in business and environmental issues over the last 20, 30 years, I think there was an earlier time period where it was really just about compliance. It was all about what regulations were set and how they would respond to them, very legalistic interpretation. I think as time went on, there was a recognition that there were some opportunities here, both in terms of consumers who demand green products, in terms of creating efficiency in your operations by addressing waste streams and the like that you create. I think the, the current world and the generation we're moving into with business is one that has to recognize that there are opportunities 
in terms of new products and services. And, and I do a lot on kind of disruptive technology. Mm-hmm. The idea that there are wholesale ways to rethink how you deliver value that um, uh, can be more sustainable. Um, and again, I take a lot of focus on technology, but again, you can think of electrification of vehicles, the rise of renewable energy, uh, or just in general, the you know kind of burgeoning set of uh, green technologies. You said something to me that I wrote down that really um, resonated with me, and it was your strategist challenge. Do you remember that yes. part of our conversation? Absolutely. Can you Absolutely. just explain that to our listeners? I think it's really it's a great starting point. Yeah, this is something we teach in you know our, our first year MBA strategy classes. This uh, perhaps simple idea that valuable competitive positions, valuable competitive strategies for firms emerge out of the intersection of uh, the values of the organization, the opportunities the market is creating, and then the capabilities of the organization. I think sometimes there's a tendency to maybe downplay the values piece, um, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely critical. There's a lot of discretion in business. There's a lot of discretion even in publicly traded firms to choose where you put your attention, what markets you play in, and, and ultimately what values you bring to the marketplace. And I think sometimes we, uh, we don't talk about that enough uh, and, and emphasize that enough for business, that they have discretion and choice here about who they are and what they want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that people my age really care about the values of the place that they want to work. Um, do you think that that's something that you've seen change in your students, that they're caring more about the business's values? Um, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's such a, a war for talent these days mm-hmm. um, between leading technology companies and others. Um, they understand that, that, you know, people are looking more than just the paycheck. They're, they're looking for the quality of life for the company they work for, the purpose of that company. All of those, I think, have led companies to understand that, you know, these aren't just nice to have. These are, you know, critical to their, their functioning to be able to express a set of values and, and how they're trying to live by them. Mm-hmm. What do you say when, um, because sometimes I, I get this, like if I pop out my, you know, reusable straw at a restaurant or, you know, I pick up some litter in the parking lot of the grocery store and I get looks from people who feel like, well, you're not going to save the world with your little action. What do you what do you say to someone that um, reacts that way to somebody who's trying to do something to help? Yeah, you know, one of the big kind of perspectives we have in our book is this idea that um, you have to view it as a system, uh, and business and markets operate in a larger kind of socio-political system. And so at the end of the day, when you have a large, complex system, it's very hard to design the system or to kind of force it, you know, with just one kind of lever to make things happen. And so... One of the things we talk a lot about is that you have to really be thinking of all the available levers available. Mm-hmm. And so that means, you know, the only way you move the system forward is actually through a whole bunch of smaller changes. Uh, there, there is no silver bullet. We talk quite a bit about in the book that's going to solve these issues. It's going to have to take the concerted effort of millions and millions of different actors pushing little levers available to them to move the system towards a more sustainable future. Um, so probably true. You're not going to save the earth by, you know, just switching your straws, you you individually. But again, no one has the one lever that's going to change the whole system itself. So we all have a responsibility and a role to play. And in terms of um, creating attractive products to sort of this changing market, how do you feel like business is responding to that? 
I think um, I think there's a couple different ways to think about it. I think we've long had smaller uh, market opportunities for green products, you know, green conscious consumers, uh, and that's existed for for decades. I think that kind of percentage, if you will, of the consumers uh, is growing. Uh, I think the number of people who care about these issues is growing. Um, but I actually think what's really fascinating is that. In some instances, we're seeing technologies, we're seeing products that maybe simply deliver value in the kind of traditional ways you would expect. Uh, you know, if it's an automobile, you know, good driving, handling, maybe lower cost, efficient. And on those merits alone, the green choice, the quote-unquote green choice, can start to win. And I think for a lot of businesses who care about sustainability and care about the environment, you know, being able to generate and understand those opportunities is really powerful. Because then you're not just simply relying on the kind of the goodwill of customers to buy green, but you're actually creating new products and services mm-hmm. that, on one hand, address some of our sustainability challenges, but on the other hand, are going to be highly desirable in the marketplace. Um, you told me during our pre-interview that you really heated up the writing of this book during the um, most recent recession. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think uh, one of the evolutions of my own thinking is I had done a lot of work on kind of large corporations and what they have uh, done or not done with regards to environmental issues. And I think a big change in my own mindset was getting back to this idea of, of the change needed within different technologies and different industries. And definitely in the wake of kind of the 2008 uh, financial crisis and recession was this thinking that, you know, when we have disruptive change, it's often newer companies, entrepreneurs and the like, who enter markets and transform them. So it might not be about, you know, getting oil and gas companies to become sustainable and adopt renewable energy. More likely, from what we know from the economics, is you're going to have displacement. You're going to have companies going out of business while new ones rise up to replace them with, again, hopefully more sustainable technology. This is, I guess it would be the, what would you call it, the top five tips for for dummies. It's like the books for dummies, you know. Um, what would be, if you were going to give our listeners, you know, three or five tips of something that they should be doing differently so that we can save the earth, what would those things be as just a consumer? As just a consumer? Oh, mm-hmm. well, um, I've just done a series of reports where we've been looking at this, again, potential to decarbonize different uh, sectors. I and mean, one of the most challenging ones is agriculture. Uh, and in particular, one of the most challenging pieces of agriculture is actually beef. Um, and so I think the number one thing you could probably do as a consumer is consume less beef because it is a significant greenhouse gas emission um, from cows, from cattle. Uh, and, and that in itself could, I think, have a huge impact and be, and be one that's otherwise very difficult, uh, difficult to address. And we did see like beef consumption has gone down um, I think in the last year or so as veganism and eating plant-based is kind of taking off. I, I eat mostly that way. So it's great to hear that's being confirmed by the business people. <laughs> she was even, I will say, a, though, you know, the real concern is how do you do that on a, on a global basis? Yep. You have a yeah. growing population and historically as countries become uh, more advanced uh, in their economies, uh, they also tend to, you know, demand a more protein rich diet. Mm-hmm. So, while there might be pockets in the United States that are consuming less beef, you know, how do you do that on a, on a global scale, uh, especially in places like, um, you know, in China or 
Africa and other kind of growing, uh, growing areas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was one. <laughs> I'm putting um, the pressure on you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the other kind of interesting thing that uh, that's happening, I think, has a lot of potential. <laughs> is we look at two other sectors, transportation and energy. There is a, I take maybe a vision that's starting to be realized where one could imagine uh, having almost more self-sufficiency in terms of your energy usage in which if you're you know, uh, fortunate enough to be you know, in a position where you could put solar panels on your home, have an electric vehicle in the garage, have a battery storage in, you know, uh, in that garage as well, and then be able to trade those electrons on a smart grid with your local utility, a lot of these technologies I just named become much more um, uh, economically attractive for an individual consumer uh, as they as you kind of bundle them together. So it's it's not necessarily what an individual can do uh, in and of themselves, but as you kind of see these new technologies start to emerge, the leveraging of smart technology in the home for increasing energy efficiency, all of those together have really a lot of promise here mm-hmm. um, to kind of reduce your your own personal you know, carbon footprint. So, Michael, how can our listeners learn more about you and your book? So, uh, you know, encourage you to, to look up my work uh, either at my uh, my website, uh, on uh, which uh, talks about my book and some of my other work as well. Um, I have a series of reports that we just did on business innovation and climate change, again, that looks at the possibilities of different sectors decarbonizing. Uh, and I'm actually working on a follow-up book looking very specifically at climate change again, the possibility of decarbonizing by 2050. Great. Well, um, we are going to post on our Instagram page information on how you can win a copy of the book. So um, go to our Instagram page and follow the instructions, and um, maybe you'll be one of the lucky people who can uh, read the book. Uh, But if somebody doesn't win, um, can they purchase the book? um, Absolutely. Book thrift uh, through Amazon, or... yeah, through Amazon uh, or through Stanford University Press or any number of different outlets that's available. Well, thank you, Michael. We really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, so I am really excited for Taking Care in Community, this nomination this week, because this is an organization that's near and dear to my heart in that um, uh, my son Ethan was a part of at your school, AYS Services, um, at when he was in elementary school. And the nomination is for Crystal Strubin, who is the CEO of At Your School, or as many of us know, um, AYS. And Crystal is somebody, she's just, I, I don't really know her, but she's somebody that I've worked in and around and is a greatly respected um, for the work that she does. So I was excited to see the nomination. But do you know about AYS? I, well, I, they provide before and after school care, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah at their at the school. So at this, yeah, which is really nice. So um, the 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 organization provides before and after school programming for children of three thousand working families throughout Central Indiana. Wow, that's awesome. And really, the great thing is, is that it's at your school. So mm, when you're makes you know, it simple. Little teeny weeny little kid is done with um, their school day, they can you know, walk down the hall and go to the gym and play and um, get some homework support and be in a safe environment so that they don't have to go home by themselves. Great. And thanks to National Bank of Indianapolis for letting us provide this uh, public service announcement to our listeners.
Let's give a big thank you to our sound engineer, Matt Sosi. And our Taking Care and Community sponsor, National Bank of Indianapolis. If you'd like to nominate someone or an organization for a future episode, you can visit our website, takingcareinbusiness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, or download Taking Care in Business wherever you get our podcasts. If you love Taking Care in Business, give us a five-star rating and leave a review or share this episode on your social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Taking Care in Biz, B-I-Z. If you have questions or comments, you can also email us at info at Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, Take, Take care, care in, in business. business.